Welcome to HowlCast. Before we get into this episode, I want to take a few moments to talk to you. First, I'd like to thank you all for all the support that you've given Howl. And uh, I just want to let you know that Howl only works when you're involved. And the only way we can preserve our way of life is to stay connected to the issues and continue to make our voices heard. Also, I'd like to talk to you quickly about the different ways you could be a part of Howlful Wildlife. At the very least, we hope you will become a PAC member and opt into our emails. This is our free membership program. This helps you stay connected to the issues surrounding hunting, fishing, and wildlife management. Uh, it's super easy. You just, a few clicks, you know, and uh, and you're in. It's pretty easy. And next would be our paid membership, which is a $30 a year membership. And this gives you access to deeper discounts, more rewards, and special giveaways. Lastly, I want to talk to you about our partnership programs like Go Hunt and now Pope and Young Club. With the Go Hunt program, you can go to their website right now and you can buy their membership for $149. Or you could purchase it from Howell and you would get our $30 membership included free and have access to additional discounts and benefits to go purchase stuff from the Go Hunt store. So it's kind of a no-brainer. You could spend $149 to purchase it on their website, or you could spend $149 to purchase it on Howl for Wildlife. And when you do so, when you purchase it from Howl, they will give 50% of your membership will be donated to Howl for Wildlife. So it's kind of brainless, like I said. I mentioned Pope and Young. So we have a new program with the Pope and Young Club. So if you ever wanted to become a member of Pope and Young, now is the time to do it. Because you can get both the Pope and Young membership and the Howlful Wildlife membership for the same price that you would normally purchase your Pope and Young membership, which is $45 a year. Again, kind of brainless. Get benefits of both. You're helping out both organizations and... You just get way more for your money. One more thing I want to talk to you about. If you use Onyx, I use Onyx. It's an excellent program. Figure out all my waypoints. Figure out how I'm going to get into places, how I'm going to make stalks. There's so many different ways you can use Onyx. It's an amazing product. Um, If you already have it or if you never had it before, you can use the promo code HOWL, uh, H-O-W-L, all caps, and you will save 20% off on that membership. Plus, Onyx will donate an additional 20% to Howlful Wildlife. You can't beat that, right? So you're helping yourself, saving some money. You're helping out the organization. It's awesome. All right, that's all I got for you. Let's get into this episode. Hi, welcome to HowlCast. Today, we're going to be talking to Jordan Sillers of uh, Meat Eater. Actually, Jordan's a writer, and uh, and I believe the editor, managing editor. Did I get that right? That's right. Yep. Well, Jordan, why don't you give us a little rundown about yourself, real quick, and then we'll uh, we'll kind of get to the the subject at hand. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you said, I'm a managing editor over at Meat Eater. Um, the kind of main things I cover are firearms uh, and and conservation. Um, and then when they let me, I like to write about um, American literature. 
hunting stories, things like that. Um, so I've, I've been over uh, at Meter. I started freelancing since uh, in 2020, and then I came on full-time uh, in April of last year. So I've been there about a year. Um, nice. Didn't grow up doing a lot of hunting. Um, it wasn't something that I was really introduced to as, as a young kid. Uh, got into it a little bit later in life. But, uh, yeah, I, I love it. Um, I'm down here in East Texas. Um, so I love the, the whitetail hunt, hog hunt, squirrel hunt, um, and then go after white bass uh, and hybrid bass, which are running actually right now up, up the creeks. So Sweet. that's about me. Awesome. So how old were you when you get started? Just curious. Yeah, I was um, – I had some some friends growing up, uh, kind of high school ish, um, around that age, and they they really introduced me to to the outdoors. So I, I had a friend who was in the Boy Scouts, uh, and I was kind of an honorary member. <laughs> I, I never actually joined, um, but I would actually help them sometimes with like their Christmas tree sales, things like that. So he he taught me uh, a bit about camping, backpacking, um, and then I had some other some other friends. Uh, and we would go fishing on the Shenandoah River, uh, camping on, on the islands, kind of in the middle of the river. Um, and so that's that's kind of how I got started. Awesome. So I got you on today because I read one of your articles and I was like, wow, this guy gets it. And um, it was it was just really intriguing to me because a, a lot of what you're saying is a lot of what um, – we were trying to do, we've been trying to do it, how for wildlife. Um, and, uh, so I kind of wanted to jump into this, uh, this article that you wrote. It, it, it's a really well titled article too, because it's like, it says exactly what, what is really going on inside the campaign to divorce hunters from wildlife policy, which is exactly what is going on right now. What is the anti-hunting campaign? Um, why don't you want to give me a little background as to why you jumped into this and then uh, we'll kind of pick it apart here. Sure. Yeah. So I think, um, like a lot of people, this topic really came under my radar last year with the, the wildlife society conference, um, where they gave this group that I talked quite a bit about in the article wildlife for all, um, gave them a, a, a panel discussion basically. Um, which, you know, at the time I thought, well, you know, these conferences, you know, they, they put out a call for, for, uh, panel topics and people submit stuff and there's lots of stuff going on. Um, but the more I kind of started looking into it, the more I realized that, that this is a, a, a pretty big campaign. Um, and it's been going on now for, for several years. Mm -hmm. Um, the people I spoke with for the article at the Congressional Sports and Foundation, um, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, you know, they said that they've been looking at this for at least five years now. Um, and then, you know, the the wildlife policy, you know, the the state biologist, um, they've been also tracking it for for, for quite a while. And um, but but I think you know most kind of your average hunter, they really heard about it first last year um, with that conference. And so that's that's sort of where it started. Uh, you know, I, I kept kept kind of keeping up with the topic, looking into it, um, and, and I, I thought it was a really important piece to, to put out there. Yeah, to your point that you, were, you just made that how we how we just found out we're always as hunters, especially 
we're always being reactive and always finding out, you know, what what the anti-hunting movement has been doing. And yeah. it's, it's always like, a, not that it's too late, but it's always later down the road. Um, yeah. When they've already established. And I think that's kind of, I know at Alpha Wildlife, we were, we've really been trying to do, not mimic their tactics necessarily, but trying to do uh, similar style things where they, you know, were, were coming undetected, ambushing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's been effective. Yeah. But of course, you know, just like anything else, th- they eventually catch on to that. We're, we're actually kind of seeing, we're seeing a little bit of that now. Um, where they've where they've caught on to, um, and I say caught on, and that makes it sound like it's nefarious, nefarious, but it's it's they've they've wised up to how effective we've been and and why we've been effective. So they're they're putting out uh, their own, um, I don't know, I shouldn't say their own. They're putting out like propaganda to kind of like deplatform us a little bit. Yeah. Try, yeah. So it's, yeah, uh, this, it's interesting. <laughs> to your point, I think um, I was talking uh, about this with someone the other day and, and they made the point that, you know, hunters and anglers, they just want to be out there, right? They want to be out in the field doing what they love to do. Um, and animal rights activists, uh, you know, they're activists. Right. They, they can kind of focus on their, their mission. Right. Um, and I think, you know, hunters, I think hunters can, can walk and chew gum at the same time. Right. Like right. we, we can be focused on what we love while also, um, you know, paying attention to the, the to the threats to, to that thing. that we. Yeah. I mean, if we could put the same effort that we put into learning how to call Elkin or, uh, you know, being a better stalker of deer or whatever, or yeah. better bow shot, whatever the case may be, into or even even twenty five percent of that effort uh, into directing policy and 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 yeah. protecting rights and so on and so forth. Uh, we'd be yeah. way 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 further along than we are now. Oh yeah, so. yeah, and I mean, I think that's a great. I think that's a great thing for for someone to commit to, right? Like. I'm going to practice my bow for an hour and every hour that I, that I do that, I'm going to dedicate 10 minutes to, you know, staying on top of these issues, to contacting my legislators. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that, that would be a great thing for someone to, to do. I, I would like it if somebody just spent 10 minutes, period. Yeah. Don't even right. try to match it. If you spent, uh-huh. hell, to be honest with you, if they spend 10 minutes a year doing it, we'd still yeah. be better off than we are now, but 10 minutes a week, I would be, I'd be ecstatic. I think, I think yeah. we'd, we'd crush the, we'd crush the opposition. They wouldn't have a, they wouldn't have a solution because their lies and propaganda only go so far. Uh, right. You know, if there's enough people out there speaking the truth, there's enough people out there standing up for what we want. You know, the reason why they win so often is because, they they're better at it than us they're better at the argument than us they're better at it's not because they have truth science 
integrity or anything real concrete backing them. It's always about the fact that they're just show up <laughs> and we don't, yeah. you know? Right. Yeah. right. yeah. They, they show up and I think they have an appeal to emotion that, that hunters don't always have oh, right? yeah. because they, they can, you know, trot out the, the sympathetic kind of figure char- character really of, of the animal. And, uh, you know, we can also say we help with habitat conservation. Um, but you know, yeah, but they, they can bring out the, the suffering animal and we can't really do that. Yeah. To your, exactly to your point, you know, the, the saying of a picture is worth a thousand words. So think about social media and think about how society is now. We're so like, do, 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 do. We want to go like, you can't even watch a video that's 30 seconds long. It's way, like way too long. They have such an easier yeah. job than we do because they can literally post a picture and that picture has their narrative already in it right and we it's hard for us to to do that we we can't say in less than 30 seconds that we support uh you know we're the reason why wildlife is around where we we're the the main funders of conservation and that but we can't go through all those points and we can't even show but you know what we can do what we can do is we can start showing the human side of hunting, mm-hmm. humanizing it. Not, yeah. not, not that we have to show, not that we have to prove that it's humanized, but we have to show that it's not just about this. It's not just about that. It, and, um, and really show like what it means to us. Like, yeah, it's part of the culture, part of our, our being part of, you know, I always tell people like I was born a hunter. I didn't, you know, yes, my dad took me hunting, but guess what? My dad doesn't even hunt anymore. My dad gave up hunting 30 years ago um, because not that he has a problem with animals dying. He has a problem with being the person doing that. So he'd rather hunt them with his camera, mm-hmm. but he has no problem going to eat game meat or eating meat or whatever, you know? So like, I, it's not something that was like hammered into me from my dad. It's, it's just, I was born that way. Like I, I had a calling and I wanted to, to be there. Like that was, mm-hmm. so, you know, kind of showing those, those stories. And it's not just, you know, the, the white, you know, redneck from, I don't know, Iowa, whatever. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know. You know, it's not, it's, it's people from all walks of life, you know, black people hispanic people asian people like uh, there's just so many so many different stories out there and we don't tell those stories we we, yeah. don't, we we allow them to tell our story we're elmer fudd you know yeah we're right. the toothless guy drinking beer running around in a pickup truck and willy-nilly shooting shit like that's yeah. that's the story that is put out there and we allow right. that to happen cuz we don't you know we don't do anything about it yeah. So. Yeah, and I think I, I think it it helps too. Um, talking about that kind of that that personal story, to you know, talk to your friends about hunting and and you know, tell them that you're a hunter. It, you know, especially if they're not hunters, because I think that um, that can go a long way towards towards uh, you know, fighting against that propaganda when. You, you're told by the animal rights activists that hunters are all, you know, 
unethical, irresponsible Elmer Fudd, but you know that, you know, your friend is not like that at all. That's not the type of person he is. And he's explained to you that, you know, he, he hunts ethically, he harvests all, he eats the meat. And then like, he serves you that meat at dinner. Um, I think it's going to, you know, that, that propaganda is going to be much less effective if you know someone like that. Um, Absolutely. And so not just thinking of our advocacy as to our representatives, but also to our, our friends and family, um, not in like a, you know, annoying way, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but in kind of a natural, like everyday type of way. I think that's really important too. Absolutely. So let's lay, lay out the, uh, the field over here, the playing field of what is basically going on with this movement uh, yeah. is that they are the anti-hunting establishment is uh is starting to do here or has been doing i should say yeah right so so this is kind of one one prong of their strategy right they they can introduce legislation that limits hunting um you know there are the ballot initiatives that limit hunting um this is another way that that they're trying to go about this um and so uh you know if i'm sure most of your listeners are familiar uh, but most states have a, a commission, a wildlife commission, um, that is going to set uh, hunting and fishing regulations for that state. Um, that's separate usually from their wildlife department, which kind of does all of the, the day-to-day kind of scientific work. Um, and so these commissions in many states, not all states, but in many states, they have a lot of power uh, to, to regulate hunting and fishing. Mm-hmm. And so the, the strategy here is to um, to influence these commissions to be less responsive to hunters and anglers. Uh, and so they do that in a, a, a couple different ways. Um, one of those is to uh, change the rules about who appoints commissioners. So if they feel like, you know, the governor of a state is going to be pro-hunting, they might introduce legislation that uh, that allows other bodies they feel are more friendly to them to appoint commissioners. Um, another way is to, to just kind of dictate the makeup of those commissions. So one one bill in Maryland this year that I talk about in the article um, would require representatives from the wildlife preservation and passive wildlife recreation communities. Um, you know, AKA, whatever that. AKA anti-hunting. Yeah, right, AKA anti-hunting. Um, it would require two representatives, one from each of those communities on the wildlife uh, wildlife board um, alongside, you know, representatives from, from, you know, hunters, landowners, agriculture, things like that. Um, but that's not currently the case, right? They don't have to appoint representatives from those uh, communities under this bill, they would. Yeah, but it does, um, it does happen as we're seeing in places like Washington. Yeah, exactly. It does happen. And a lot depends on the, you know, the, uh, the situation on the ground in your state, right? So if your governor is the sole person responsible for appointing commissioners, and they are friendly with the anti-hunting animal rights crowd, well, then they're going to appoint commissioners who, you know, are in line with that, those ideas. Um, And so uh, another piece of this that I think is really important for for people to take away is that elections matter a lot, right? Like uh, a governor 
can really change the makeup of one of these commissions in a very short amount of time. Um, we, we, you know, we've been seeing it in Washington, uh, Wisconsin, I think is another example of this, uh, where, you know, commissioners, they, they are, you know, termed out, uh, or they just leave and they're replaced by someone who is not friendly to hunters. Um, and they kind of do whatever they can to, to limit our, our access to limit seasons, to limit the number of species we can pursue. Um, and so I think this is a, a thing that people really need to, to pay attention to. Yeah, and I think we're about to see that in a couple different states. Actually, Colorado, I know for sure, is going to probably get some uh, not hunter-friendly commissioners on their board um, yeah. from the new, you know, the new regime that's there. And um, you know, I I saw we saw a lot of this years back because um, BHA was pushing it. You know, vote public lands. Um, mm-hmm. You know, public obviously public lands are very important and definitely not going to take away from public lands. We need public lands, otherwise we won't have opportunity. But I think you should vote hunting and fishing. <laughs> like, like yeah. Think about it from that standpoint, because if you vote hunting and fishing, you're voting public lands also. You're, you're not. Sure. You're not. <clears throat> you you got to be, you got to be careful. Like, and, you know, politics is so, I mean, it's so dirty. And the more and more I'm involved in just the hunting side of stuff, like the more and more I see of like stuff that I'm just like, oh my god, this is disgusting. This is disgusting. Yeah. The, the, yeah. But, um, yeah, you, and you just got to be you got to be engaged and really look into. You know, it's so easy. Like I, I even found myself this year, you know, checking off the boxes on my on my ballot. Um, or this year, whatever it was, when they were doing the governal, I can't even say that word, uh, election here. And you almost like, as a tribe, you you vote whatever side of the aisle you're on, you know. And instead of looking into each individual and what it is that they're proposing that they want to do. Now, mind you, they could always go back. I mean, look at our, our beautiful president. He is now uh, supporting the Willow Project, and he ran his campaign on, uh, you know, limiting uh, fossil fuels and and blah blah blah. But you know, it's it's politics, I guess. But (laughs) I, I, you got to just be more diligent, take more time, not just in the hunting world, but just in general. (laughs) Yeah, and a a couple of things there. I think um, your point about politicization. Uh, and this this is also I briefly mentioned this in the piece um, is that you know there's more than one way for one of these commissions to be politicized. Um, it can be politicized towards the anti-hunting crowd. It can be politicized towards you know landowners, outfitters, uh, whatever kind of your special interest group is. It can lean in favor of that. Um, and some of those are worse than others. I think that's kind of the the point that you're right. making. Um, the the if it's leaning towards just anti-hunting that is is the worst way that it can be politicized um but you know you really have to pay attention to your state kind of figure out if you're having you're having any of these issues with with your game commission right um and 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 don't cut off your nose to spite your face just because you don't want all right for instance like there was a thing in utah 
where they didn't want hunters were upset because big outfits had like five or six you know guides for one client and they passed this bill to limit it to one one guide per client and they did that because let's face it they were upset maybe even a little jealous that these bigger companies were were uh getting all the big quote-unquote trophy game. Um, It was an unfair thing, but as soon as you start taking things away that are away from hunting, you're opening up the door. And as soon as you create a divide in hunters, you're opening up the door for anti-hunt, for something much worse. You know, there there was... Thing, there was ways around that. Like, you know, I'm just, I was grasping for an example, but, you know, maybe not the best example of that, that particular situation. But what I mean is, like, don't go against your fellow hunter and and open up the door for anti-hunting mm. is basically what I'm trying to say. I mean, in, in so many words. Yeah. Yeah. So I, just I, think I, about I, your actions, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think hunters, um, what, what's kind of fascinating about hunters as like a, a political group, mm-hmm. um, is that they're, they're maybe more diverse than any other like unified, uh, interest group in the country, right? Because there's lots of Democrats who hunt, um, and there's lots of democratic politicians who are very, um, you know, in, in favor of hunting and same with, same with Republicans. And so I think it, it's especially important for hunters to do that research when they vote, um, because it may not be the, the party line vote that, that you expect it to be. Um, yeah. To, so your, that's, that's to your point, point, I think Pittman Robertson were both Democrats, weren't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. And then also the, the, there's, there's a push on both sides of the aisle now to take that funding away, right? There's, there's, and this, I mentioned this in, in the piece briefly as yeah. well. There's uh, kind of on the right side of the aisle. Um, they don't like that guns and ammo are taxed. Um, you know, they Which see it as ridiculous. a second. Yeah, they see it as a as a Second Amendment violation. And then on the left side of the aisle, they they want to divorce, um, you know, the the outdoor kind of gear industry from conservation because yeah. they they recognize that this is a a really important um, kind of tool in our toolbox for making sure that we're getting the the, the laws and policies that are you know oh yeah we'll, we'll preserve hunting and fishing 100 percent and i've been i've been telling people that for for years um and i've been very outspoken against things like and, and i'm probably going to get shit on for it but like rawa stuff like that stuff that stuff mm-hmm. that doesn't come directly from the sportsman is going to um it's going to hurt us. It's going to take away our seat at the table. If you're if you're giving a bigger seat to the public um, opinion at at the wildlife conservation table, that is going to hurt. You're not going to get what you want. Like I mean, I don't know how else to really describe it other than the fact that every every time you 
let me back up. Our biggest, the biggest reason why we are around as, as a community is because in plain words is because of greed, right? In a, in a, in a sense, we come up with X amount of money as an industry, X amount of money to for conservation, but also in general, the more you chip away at that funding, okay, it always comes down to the almighty dollar, unfortunately, when it comes to politics. It's, it's always about money and power. If you take away funding or you find ways to replace that funding with, with other stuff that has a different interest or a different opinion, then it's going to hurt your voice. It's going to hurt the voice of the, of the sportsman. So it's important for us to not bitch about paying into stuff and be as involved in that user pay model as much as possible. Like, I, I don't know how else to put it, but that's, yeah. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a powerful tool. We, um, we get emails from hunters in Australia um, and they're dealing with stuff that's like, you know, hopefully not, but you know, decades, well, maybe not decades um, in, in our future where uh, they're looking at in some Australian States, they're looking at taking away bow hunting. Um, and for the same reasons that they are talking about taking away trapping here, right? It, right. It's cruel. It's inhumane. Uh, the animal suffers, right? It's the same arguments. Um, and so they're, they're, they're talking about taking away bow hunting. Um, uh, waterfowl hunting is also something that, that they're looking at, at getting rid of in some parts of Australia. Uh, and, and like you say, I think a, a big part of this is that they don't have uh, that, re- that really important conservation reason uh, to, to push back on some of these things. They're not a very large part of the the population and so politicians feel like they can you know push these policies without any consequences um I, i'd encourage people to, to look look at what's going on in australia as kind of a uh you know a, a cautionary tale and the the folks that that write into us they're encouraging us to do that you know they say look at what's happening over here i hope it doesn't happen to you guys over there right right exactly um the bill that's in Maryland, was it Bill One Eighty Eight? I I want to point I want to point this out. Actually, I want you to elaborate on it a little bit if you if you have a, a little bit of inside knowledge on it. But these bills that are being put out there, we kind of talked about it earlier. But these bills that are coming in, like with this like sneaky, um. I'm pretty sure it's the one in in Maryland where like even hunters are supporting it. Is that, am I correct or am I? Yeah. Yeah. There's um, hunters of Maryland um, is a group that uh, put out a statement in support of this bill. Um, Yeah. I I have a quote there in the article and then I link to that statement. Um, And so this is, I think a, a really important point to make. Um, and it's kind of a hard a hard thing to, to parse out because this group, Wildlife for All, um, they, they want to kind of replace the current model with uh, a, 
a, a model that follows the, the public trust doctrine, right? And the, pub, the public trust is a part of the North American model of, of wildlife conservation. And, and a lot of hunters um, s- support this idea, I think, you know, rightly so, which is that wildlife is not, wildlife is not owned by any one person, right? We're not medieval England where the landowner owns the animals on the land. The animals are owned by the public, right? Which is why landowners have to follow the same, you know, rules and regulations as everyone else because they don't they don't own that wildlife. Right. Um, wildlife for all takes that idea and kind of expands it out, um, and then also uses it as a justification for what they want to do, which is mirroring the the general population. Mirroring wildlife commissions and the general population, right? So they want to match, they want non-consumptive, what they call non-consumptive users mm-hmm. um, to have a, 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 a representation on those commissions in ratio to the general population, right? Well, hunters make up now like 5%, um, and it depends on the state, obviously, but 5% of the general population. So in other words, they want hunters to be represent 5% of commissions to be represented by hunters, right? right? It's like for most, for most commissions, it's like half a person um, is, is what they would want. And they, they justify that by this, what, what they're calling the, the public trust doctrine, which is wildlife is for everyone. And so we want this to be democratic. We want it to mirror the general population. I think sometimes hunters, they hear public trust and then they think, oh, yeah, wildlife is for everyone, not right. just for hunters, for everyone. And so they say, great, this is this is fine. This is this is something that we can sign on to. Um, and you can kind of see that in the statement from from Hunters of Maryland, where they say, you know, um, wildlife belongs to no. I'm quoting now. Wildlife belongs to no one person. Wildlife belongs to the citizenry, diverse individuals, groups, and organizations who want a broader advisory voice and how. Maryland's DNR manages wildlife is a good thing and should be afforded every opportunity, right? So I think that's something that hunters, you know, a, a lot of hunters would say, yeah, that seems reasonable to me, but there's a kind of a deeper, more insidious uh, um, goal. Yeah. They're kind of using the, they're using the public trust doctrine as a kind of Trojan horse to push uh, really, um, uh, like the article says, divorcing hunters from wildlife policy. Right. Yeah. That's kind of been th- that the other side's tactic for a very long time is this, um, I guess, Trojan horse, if you will. They, they, it's not, and, and they even do it with their, um, like when they're taking polls and stuff like that, they'll put stuff out that, that no human being, would disagree with it seems very reasonable until you really look into what they're saying like mm-hmm. for instance like I, I brought this up several times and I, it, they put out a poll for bear hunting and they'll say that 80 or 100 percent of all people who took this poll or 90 percent of all people who took this poll agree um and they'll say something like do you um, do you support killing a bear, taking its head, and leaving the meat? 
do you support uh, killing cubs? You know, and and all these things, and then they like paint they paint this picture of mm-hmm. something that is not the truth, right? Of course, you're going to be like, no, hell no, I don't want. You know, I don't believe in that. I don't. I don't believe that you should go out there and just kill a bunch of cubs. I don't. You know, I don't like those are the kind of ways that they do things, and it's the same way with these bills. They like put stuff that seemingly looks attractive to. Well, it looks definitely looks attractive to the to the main public, but even looks attractive to some hunters. And yeah. that's why that's why we continue to lose the battle. Again, it goes back to what we started off talking about earlier, is is spending time to look into these things. And that's hard. Yeah. That's hard to say because hell man, I'm in this and I have a hard time really looking into bills. Like most of the time I'm skimming over stuff because there's so much to look at, but yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's tough and I think that that's why, you know, groups like yours our our sportsmen's groups are so important because they do a lot of that work for us. Um they're keeping track of these bills in your state. Um they're reading the bills and they're summarizing the bills in a way that makes sense, right? Cuz cuz you know, I run into this all the time in my work as a as a writer and a journalist you're looking into this bill, you open it up and it's, you know, 35 pages <laughs> and you yeah. think, Oh my goodness, you know, I don't have time for this. Yeah. And I do it as, you know, for my job, if you have a job, you're just doing this on the side, it's really difficult. So, you know, being involved in your state, um, outdoor group, really important. Um, and, and something that I encourage everyone and, you know, just join them all. Right. <laughs> like, Right. They'll they'll all give you give you good information, um, and and help you get involved. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, I know I can't speak for the other orgs, but I know Alpha Wildlife. We've done everything possible to make it as easy as possible for you to get involved in stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like we're really, uh, I love the way uh, of. A friend of ours, Travis uh, Thompson, put it: we, "We put the cookies on the on the bottom shelf, you know." Um, and it's uh, and still, you know, it's still uh, trying to get people to get involved in something that literally takes the way we've done it. I mean, it takes thirty seconds. 30 mm-hmm. seconds. And it takes maybe two minutes if you really want to read through the whole thing. And, but the actual action takes 15, 15 to 30 seconds maximum. Maximum. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, that's, that's saying, hey, here, trust me, trust what I'm doing. But I, we want you to read it. We want you to be, educate yourself. We want you to, I don't want you to just even use our, uh, pre-filled um, emails. I would rather people who are getting involved delete that, put their own words in there after reading it, and send their own message. Uh, mm. But at the very least, you know, if you need the cookies on the low shelf, it's there for you. Yeah. So. Yeah, and it's and it's also it's not like contacting your U.S. congressman, right? Like. You can call them, you can email them, and that's important, but they're getting, you know, thousands of, of those things a month. Right. Um, with your state legislators, 
they don't get contacted nearly as much. And so your call, especially your call, but even your email uh, can have a, a pretty big impact if it's you know well-reasoned, well-articulated, if you are one of their voters, right? That's that's key. Um, you you can really sway their opinion on on a, a topic if they're not you know an ideologue already. Uh, and and so I, I think people should know that as well to kind of be encouraged to you know this will make a difference um, if you just take the time to do it. Okay. Yeah. Um, basically. We've seen a tremendous response in what what you just said, like just showing up, just sending emails, just making a phone call. We've had so many different different uh, entities from the game game for commission to senators to whatever tell us that we've never seen the hunting community get involved it's yeah. always been anti-hunting so that involvement is is huge and it could have such a huge impact we're doing what we're doing now with you know i think less than thirty thousand people um and in in all honesty it's not even thirty thousand people on every single every single action we're probably dealing with 3000 to 5000 maximum yeah. on each thing so if if i looked at the hunting just the hunting community okay they say 15 to 18 18 million people hunt let's take 15 million if i took 10% of that and 10% of that was engaged on every single bill that you know we're we're facing. I don't I don't think there would be a single um, politician or game commission or whatever that would really continue on supporting whatever it is that we were opposing. Or, in fact, the the ones that we do support, I think they would definitely do it because it's like. That's so much more, like twenty times more the the the, the pressure from from yeah. from us to do what we want, you know. And I, I don't know how much how many times I got to beat the dead horse to to tell people that, but it's uh, yeah. it's a very powerful thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it can and um, this didn't make it in the piece, but. Uh, Joe Mullen at the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation, he pointed out to me that we've been pretty successful so far in knocking down these bills, mm -hmm. right? Like they're, they're popping up and they're popping up, you know, kind of more every year. Um, but, you know, there hasn't been like governors have uh, changed the makeup of these commissions with new appointments. Um, but I'm not aware of any like bill in a legislature that's gotten through that's like really just transformed the commission along the lines that Wildlife for All would like to see. I'm sure some have have passed that have you know made some changes, mm -hmm. um, but but we have been successful in knocking down these bills, and so that should also encourage people 
to get involved um, because, you know, we, we've done a pretty good job so far and, and we need to, to keep it up. Yeah, but they're always ramping stuff up. So, and, and, and that just goes, that goes for any argument. You, you bring something to this level, they bring it up to the next level. You bring it up to this level. So it's not like you can, you can't sit back on your hawks. You can't be like, oh, cool, we, we've been successful. Let's keep doing, you know, keep it at this level. We have to like, we have to get to a point where we make them irrelevant. Yeah. You know, so, but uh, anyway, um, I think, um, I think I got everything I uh, I wanted to talk to you about on here. There was something else that I can't remember. Oh, um, I actually found out that this, this bill probably is going to die, but they were, is the uh, there was the bill in New Mexico? Um, they're basically trying the same tactics, and New Mexico has a very anti-hunting friendly uh, landscape in in politics over there right now. Um, yeah, I think that's it. You got anything else you want to add? <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I, I think just to, to reiterate uh, this idea that as as hunters, um, you know, we need to be involved and that can take a lot of different forms. Um, I, I like uh, what what Ryan Callahan said. Uh, he, he, I was talking with him about this um, and I, I included a quote from him at the end of the article. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and he points out that, you know, the the tags that we buy they don't always represent a dead animal, right? Um, he has tons of tags that he's never notched, and all that money has gone towards habitat. And that habitat benefits not only, you know, whitetail, mule deer, elk, bears, uh, but, but a host of other animals too. And so making sure people understand that and, and have heard those stories is, is really important. Right. You know, but the problem with that is that just like right now you and i are preaching to the choir we're talking to hunters we're not talking to them so it goes back to what you were saying earlier is having those nuanced conversations those subtle conversations with the non-hunting i don't want you to argue with anti-hunting because you're not you're not going to win Uh, yeah and nothing good is going to come about that but you can combat anti-hunting by putting out the truth to those in the middle. So I think that's super important. And with that, I am going to uh, bring this to a close so I don't keep beating the same thing over and over and over again. I think we got the point across, hopefully. Um, Where can uh, our listeners find out uh, more about you? Uh, sure. Yeah. So uh, my work uh, is at themeateater.com. Um, I'm publishing there, you know, pretty frequently. Uh, and then also on Instagram, jordan.sillers. Um, that's really my only active social media <laughs> at this point. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear from folks. Awesome. Thank you very much. And thanks for coming on and we'll talk to you soon. Sure. Absolutely. Thanks. Bye.